you despise the people God loves, you are not fighting Satan. You are fighting God. So dear Christian, fight the right enemy. Remember that you too were loved when you were an enemy of God and you still are. Remember who the spiritual battle is against. Dr. John Kleinig is one of the leading writers on spiritual warfare and he says no political ideology, no ethnic group, no religious person is your enemy. They are the people who need not your contempt, but your truth and your love. The following is a sermon from Peace Lutheran, a church located in downtown Aiken, South Carolina. For more information and for more content, go to peaceinaken.com. We've been moving through uh, the book of Ephesians now for months, and today we're going to climax it together here as we look at Ephesians chapter 6. This is a call from the Apostle Paul to you, and this is what he says. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything, to stand. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith, which you can extinguish the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Pray also for me, that whenever I speak, words may be given me, so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. Let me say a prayer. Lord Jesus, you gave us these great words from your apostle to call us to fight. Speak to us through your word that we may take our stand. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.
I want to ease into this one today. I think I, I need to ease into it and not make any assumptions. And I'm going to ease into it like this. There is such a thing as spiritual warfare. I think it's important that I say that there's an author by the name of Philip Jenkins. He's written a pretty provocative little book that compares Christians in the West, that would be us Christians in North America, Christians in Europe, to Christians in Africa and Christians in Asia. And he draws out the differences between the two sets of Christians. And he said that Christians in the West, Christians in North America and Europe, they generally don't seriously believe in spiritual warfare. They don't really believe in demons. So, for example, if somebody's suffering from anxiety or depression here in the West, what do we say about it? Well, we get out our psychological criterias, our profiles. But somebody in Africa might consider that a demonic influence. Here in the West, we see somebody have a psychological breakdown, and we get out our psychological profiles, and we get out our psychotropic drugs. But in Africa or Asia, they might call the pastor, or they might call the priest to perform an exorcism. Now, I don't, I don't say that to discredit psychology or pharmacology, not at all. I think those things are an incredible blessing from God. I point it out simply to push back against our bias. We here in the West are going to think of things in a materialistic way. And Paul says that our biggest battle our biggest problem is spiritual. And he says it's warfare. It's warfare. This is, warfare is not just policy. It's not just about objectives. It's not just about plotting strategy. In warfare, people die. And this is spiritual warfare, which means the stakes are eternal. And this is spiritual warfare, which means that we fight blind. How do you shoot at something you can't see? How do you box a shadow? It's a guerrilla fight. You, the, the, the spiritual attacks, they come when, when you're not looking. They come when you least anticipate it. Sometimes when you're under, under spiritual attack, you don't even realize that you're under spiritual attack. It's spiritual warfare. That's how it is. And so here we are with Paul. And now I haven't assumed too much. I've explained to you the reality of spiritual warfare. And we're going to climax this book together. And what we're going to hear him say is this. Fight. 
fight. Fight the right enemy in the right location with the right power. You got to fight the right enemy. Well, who's the enemy? Our enemy is not flesh and blood. But the rulers, the authorities, the, the spiritual forces in the heavenly realms, Paul says. He says, it's not this. It's not this. It's this. It's not flesh and blood. It's not people. It's the demons. So lesson one. In spiritual warfare is this. You got to fight the right enemy and it's not people. It's the demons. We are to demonize the demons. Now why does Paul think that he needs to tell us this? Because Paul knows how powerful and intelligent the demons are. They're schemers. That's what Paul says. They've got schemes. They're slippery, conniving, nasty demons. And so they've got these schemes. And one of the schemes is they get us to demonize, not the demons, but each other. They're very powerful to do this. Did you notice the language that Paul used? Let me put it like this. C.S. Lewis, he, he, writes a, he writes a great little book. It's called The Screw Tape Letters. Great little Christian book. It's worth reading. It's, it's a gift to the church because what C.S. Lewis does is he imagines, he helps us imagine as Christians what this fight is like behind the scenes where we can't see it. And, and what he does is he, is he pictures how there's this junior demon who is being mentored in how to tempt Christians. And it's a great little book. And as far as I can tell, Lewis just gets one thing wrong. We don't face the junior demons. Not according to Paul. Paul says the Christians face the top brass. I suspect that's because the junior demons are busy dealing with junior matters like tempting unbelievers because it's super easy to tempt unbelievers. So we face the top brass. Our fight is against the rulers, Paul says, which, which makes you believe that, that they are hierarchically arranged and there's junior demons among them. Our fight is against the rulers, which makes us think about who's really ruling the world right now. And our fight against is the powers of this dark world and the spiritual forces, Paul says, not in the earthly realms, but in the heavenly realms, they have power greater than us. And so what do they do? They get us to demonize the wrong enemy. We fight each other. The scheme goes like this. There's three or four steps, depending on how you count it. Number one, help the Christians forget that evil is in them too. 
help them believe that they are the good ones. Step two. Split the world in two. Help the Christians see that they, they are, there are good people and that's them. That's definitely them. And then there are evil people. And that's everybody else. Step three. Help the Christians feel good about despising other people. Because they're the evil people. Against God and everything else that's good. Step four. Step aside and watch the fireworks. And what happens when Satan is successful is that millions and millions and millions of people go unprayed for, unministered to, and unloved. And Christians feel good about doing it. Stop for a second. Let's put some flesh and blood on this. Who have you been angry at recently? Is it the demons? Who have you felt contempt for? Is it Satan? Every time we despise somebody God loves, we have joined the legions of the devils. Don't take my word for it. Take Christ's word for it. You know what he said? He said, if you call anybody who God loves a fool, you are in danger of the fires of hell. Fight the right enemy. If you despise the people God loves, you are not fighting Satan. You are fighting God. So, dear Christian, fight the right enemy. Remember that you too were loved when you were an enemy of God and you still are. Remember who the spiritual battle is against. Dr. John Kleinig is one of the leading writers on spiritual warfare and he says, no political ideology, no ethnic group, no religious person is your enemy. They are the people who need not your contempt, but your truth and your love. They are the people that Jesus died for, same as you. Dear Christian, fight the right enemy. And now, make sure to do it in the right location.
we've got to make some observations here because we've got some military armor involved. Did you notice that it's armor? It's armor. That's what it is. It's, it's armor. In fact, the only weapon, so-called weapon you get, is a sword. And these days, we'd probably simply call it a dagger. It's for hand-to-hand combat. See, there's two kinds of Roman legionnaires. There were those glorious ones, the ones who would go out and conquer new territory and get more people and, 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 and countries for Rome. And then there were the Roman legionnaires who were the defensive types, the ones who would hold down the garrisons, the ones who had all of the defensive armor. And Paul says, that's us. We're the garrison. We don't take new land. We simply hold the fort. So where's the battle that you fight? It's right here. It's right here. Maybe some of you know this. If you don't, you're going to find it out right now. I write sermons I never preach. Sometimes it's because they're just not any good. (laughs) They just never come together, so I file them away. And other times it's because their time hasn't come yet. God is his time, and I don't think this is it, so I file it away. I did something like that with a sermon. I thought it was a decent sermon worth preaching, but I filed it away because I didn't think the time was yet. But I think one of the points in that sermon It's time has come. You know what I think one of Satan's best schemes is these days? He takes people, Christians, and he moves their eyes from the fort to something else. It goes like this. He focuses our attention on our energy on something that is too far away for us to do anything about except pray. But it's just close enough so we feel really invested in it. And then what he does is he keeps our attention there, keeps us hyped up about it through media. And then this is what happens. You lose the fort. There is a man somewhere out there today who knows a lot about what's going on in the world. But he hasn't noticed that his wife is not the same woman she was two years ago. His fort is being overrun. He hasn't noticed. There is a woman who loves children. She agonizes about what happens to babies and children in the world. But she hasn't noticed that the nursery in her church needs staffing. Her fort is being overrun. 
and she hasn't noticed. Where is the battle? It's right here. It's right here. In fact, let me, let me bring this a little bit closer to home. It's right here. It's right here. What did Paul give you? Did he give you a bow and arrow? Is that what, he, you know, is, is, it, is it a bow and arrow in the text? Did he, give, did he give you one of those sweet intercontinental missile launchers? Is that what we Christians get? Is it because, because the war is somewhere on another continent and we need to be paying attention to that? Is that where the war is? Is it somewhere off over there? No, it's not. What do you get? You get a belt. To hold down your armor because the attack's coming against your person. What do you get? You get a breastplate. You get a breastplate because it's your heart that's under attack. What do you get? You get a helmet because it's your mind that is under assault. That's what you get because it's your peace that is being ruined through anxiety and anger. And it's your righteousness... Christ's righteousness that is being stolen from you as Satan tempts you to, to pride and to self-righteousness. And it is your heart, see, that is under attack. The battle between good and evil is not somewhere out there. It runs straight through you. There's an image that Paul has here that makes us all think about it if we take our time with it. The image is of an arrow. He says the evil one shoots arrows at you and they're burning. In other words, the damage isn't done once you've been hit. The damage is done as the arrow keeps burning in your flesh. Have you heard the arrow come over the past couple years? It whizzes through the air and it goes thwomp. And there's a sickening crash. And then you feel it burn. You're so angry. How could they, you think to yourself? The anger leads to despising other people in your heart. You're up at night. You're worried. It burns. Dear Christian, Hold down the fort. That's what you're called to do. You're not called to go out and conquer more territory, none of that. Just hold down the fort. Your own heart, your own callings, that's it. Hold down the fort. Do you know why you can? Because Christ already conquered your territory. You've been won. 
His holy blood has been shed on you. You've already been won. You little piece of dirt known as you, Christ, has come and stuck his flag in it. You don't have to win the territory. But you are called to hold the ground. Hold down the fort. Fight in the right location. And now, finally, fight with the right power. Paul begins this just majestic section of the Bible. And he says, stand firm in the Lord and in his mighty power. Not in your power, not in your scheming, not in your plans, but in the Lord and in his mighty power. And then he bookends the section on the front end. He's got the power, the power is. He says it's in the Lord and in his mighty power. And then in the back end of the section, he tells you how to access it. He says, pray. He says, pray. Pray in the Spirit in all kinds of occasions with all kinds of requests to God. Pray for all of God's holy people everywhere. Pray. So on the front end of this section, he tells you what the power is. It's the Lord and his not mighty power, not you and in your power, the Lord and his power. And on the back end of the section, he teaches you how to access it. You wrestle spiritually. You receive the Lord's power in prayer. What is this power? It's the gospel. Have you noticed that this entire section is built on and founded on the gospel? Paul doesn't send you out on a holy war. He doesn't send you out on a crusade. He doesn't say you got to conquer new ground for Jesus or something like that. He doesn't say that. He says, I want you to hold the ground. I want you to hold the fort. Why does he do that? Because you've already been won. Christ already stuck his flag in the ground. It's the gospel that, that founds us. I mean, push, this, push, it, push it even further. I was talking about you, and he's claimed, claimed your ground. He stuck a flag in you with your baptism. But push it a little bit farther. Have you thought about this? Christ already run, won the whole war. He did. He already died on the cross. He already has risen from the grave. He already has ascended into heaven and sat down in the right hand of God. He's already won the war. You know what Satan's doing right now? He's like, have you heard this story? The story about the Japanese guy and during World War II, nobody told him the war wasn't over. So he's on this isolated island and he's still fighting World War II years later. Nobody told him. Nobody told Satan the war's over. So he's still doing little skirmishes around. He wants to regain your ground. And that's why you can stand. 
That's why you can take your stand. Because Christ didn't take his. You ever thought about that? Christ didn't take a stand. He went down. That's what he did. He did because he knew the right enemy. His fight was not against flesh and blood. It wasn't. He loved the people. So he allowed them to murder him. His fight was not against them. When we stuck him on a cross and we murdered him, what did, what did he say? Did he despise us? Was he contemptuous of us? No. He said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. His fight wasn't against us. He fought the right enemy. And that's how he took the fort. Satan comes at us with burning arrows. God comes at us in Christ with his love. And he storms the fort. And he gains the ground. And our faith is in him. So we can stand because he didn't. We put on a helmet. He got a crown of thorns. We get a breastplate. He gets a spear in the side. We get our feet fitted with the gospel of peace. He got his feet fitted with nails. He went down so we could stand on his gospel. That is our power. So do stand. Do fight. We have the belt of truth. We know that we are loved and forgiven by God. Buckle it on. Put on your breastplate. We are covered before God with Christ's righteousness. Strap it on. Get your helmet down over your head. Why would you fill your mind with all of those images from this broken world? Why are you doing it? Turn off the TV, open the Word of God, and see the hope, all of the images of hope that you have when Christ comes again. Put your helmet on and pick up your shield. We know what God is doing in the world. He is giving us his grace in Jesus Christ. Pick up your shield and knock down the arrows. Dearly loved people of God, buckle up 
strap it on, helmets down, sword out. We have the word of God, which is the sword of the spirit to cut through all the lies and the confusion. Fight in the right, the right enemy in the right place with the right power. The gospel of Jesus Christ. I was sitting with a guy who was going to get baptized on Sunday. I told him, you're going to become a child of God. And then I said, and you're also going to become a target of the devil. I don't know if he knew it, but I had tears rimming my eyes. I do every time there's a baptism. Because I know what it's like. Because I fight too. Sometimes when a bomb has fallen from, from the sky that has just about blown up my peace, all I want to do is crawl in a foxhole somewhere. Sometimes when it seems like I just lose and I lose and I lose and I lose, and I get tired and my confidence wanes. And sometimes when anger comes in, I'm tempted to despise somebody that God has loved. And he still does. I fight the battles too. And that's why today I want to leave you with two things. I want to leave you first with an encouragement. And then I want to leave you with a call. First, an encouragement. I want you to remember that every time you're fighting a battle, it's because Satan doesn't own you. Nobody tries to storm a castle in which they already sit as king. The only reason you ever fight is because you aren't owned by Satan. That's why Martin Luther used to call Satan the comforter of the faithful. <laughs> because whenever you're attacked, it's a reminder that you don't belong to him. And whenever you, whenever you battle a lie, it's because he knows you know the truth. And whenever you're struggling with anxiety, it's because he knows that you have too much hope. Satan is only the comforter of the faithful. Remember that. Every time you battle, it's because you don't belong to him. You are Christ's. But now here's your call. I've wondered to myself, if anybody would ever get out of bed in the morning, us Christians, if we knew what we were really up against, if we knew how gargantuan, how massive, how intelligent, how powerful the forces of the demonic realm really are. I wonder if we'd even try. And then I wonder this. I wonder how brave we'd be if we knew just how much power we have 
in Christ. No guilt in life. No fear in death. This is the power of Christ in me. From life's first cry to final breath, Jesus commands my destiny. No powers of hell, no scheme of man can ever pluck me from his hand till he returns or calls me home here in the power of Christ. I'll stand. Amen.